This is the Yahoo Finance Podcast. Thank you for listening. Yahoo Finance brought together some of the best minds in business for the All Market Summit held at the Oath Times Square office in New York City and via global live stream. This marquee event explored new challenges presented by the rapidly changing global economy. The following is a live panel from that day. Enjoy. Time to talk hockey. Sounds good to me. That's it. Gary, your season just started. The NHL regular season has returned. And this season, we have a brand new team in Las Vegas. Yes, Which I we think do. a lot of people never thought they'd see the day. Uh, tell us about going from zero to one to having a brand new team in a brand new market. Well, first of all, uh, the criteria that we look at before we expand is what shape is the league in? Uh, what shape are the other franchises in? Is this an opportune time for us to consider adding another team? And our franchises, the game has never been stronger. Game on the ice is as competitive as it's ever been. We probably have the best competitive balance in all of sports. Uh, our ownership is the strongest it's ever been. And so our franchises are all doing well. We were approached uh, by a number of people in cities interested in the team. And the criteria you really want to look at are one, what's the market? Do they have a nice new arena? Who's the owner going to be? And that may be the most important criteria. And what will it do to enhance the game, the image of the game, the league's brand? And in the case of Las Vegas, and no knock on anyone else who was applying or interested, uh, they had a brand new arena. It's a city surrounding areas, about two million people. Large city, no professional sports. We did a little bit of digging in terms of people have this notion of Las Vegas that it's the strip and nothing else, which happens not to be the case. There's a community of lots of people who want to do things that you do in any other city. And Bill Foley uh, said, and he had the resources to do it, I'm committed to hockey, I want a team, and I'm committed to Las Vegas. Now, the, from the start, we decided that they were going to have a draft a little bit deeper than any expansion team ever had before. And under difficult circumstances, which we can talk about, tragic circumstances, uh, they, they began play at home for the regular season right after the shootings uh, from the Mandalay Bay. And it has been an incredible bonding experience between the team and the community because the team got very active. The players were with first responders and survivors. They went to hospitals. And unbelievably, the team's off to a 7-1 start. Third best record right? Which, yeah. And, and what's also interesting is that the best records are now what Los Angeles, Tampa Bay, and Las Vegas, not exactly what you think of as hardcore hockey cities, but they are. But this is the best start that an expansion team has ever had. You know, a lot of people questioned whether there could actually be a hometown fan base for a Las Vegas hockey team. I mean, there's tourism, obviously. Maybe you're in town for a bachelor party, and then you can head over to the game. But people said, well, will there be people who live in the area who are devoted fans? Are you seeing that there will be? Well, part of our due diligence involved addressing that very question because our view was if this was a team that was either being supported in terms of ticket sales by the casinos or just visitors, this wasn't going to work because team needs its own fan base. And Bill Foley, during the expansion process, before he was granted a team, ran a season ticket drive. And we told him, stay away from corporations and the casinos. 
go to the fans. Individuals, small businesses, no accounts of more than eight people, all local. And I think he got deposits for, in many cases, multi-year commitments for 15,000 plus season tickets for a team, because you had to put up real money, that not only didn't exist, might never exist. So this is a team that has its own fan base and there are obviously a lot of people who have been displaced and relocated to Las Vegas because I was there opening night and that was a fairly sophisticated hockey crowd. They, they didn't have much of a learning curve in terms of appreciating the nuances of the game and how and when to react. You can tell when a crowd is a sophisticated hockey crowd? You can tell by what they're reacting to and when, and yes, the answer is you can. Uh, as many in the audience may know, in addition to the Las Vegas Golden Knights, the hockey team, the Oakland Raiders in the NFL have been given approval to move to Vegas. Now, whether that will actually happen, we'll see, but how does that affect you guys? How would an NFL team coming in, would that buoy you guys and it's sort of like a rising tide lifts all boats or maybe it doesn't matter? I don't think it matters. My guess is on some level, the NFL had a greater comfort level going there since we had gone. But we're, a little, we're, we're a little bit different. Well, and also it, it was acceptable, so to speak. Uh, but what's most interesting about it from our standpoint is one, it's only eight games. And two, what's different, not good or bad, but different between the Raiders situation and the Golden Knights is the Golden Knights were born in Las Vegas. It's Las Vegas's team, it's not a transplant. They've built their own fan base from the beginning. I tell the story, and a number of people may have already heard it. In November, I was in Las Vegas as part of the announcement of the team's name. And they set up a stage and the concourse outside of T-Mobile Arena. Cirque du Soleil performed. It was a big theatrical production, as you'd expect in Las Vegas. And somewhere between five and 6,000 people showed up just to hear the name of the team. People wanted to be a part of the history of the team from its inception. I walk out, and as I frequently do before crowds, I got booed, as I normally do. Although I was laughing to myself, this was a place that hadn't yet had a bad officiating call, hadn't been through many of the other decisions that we have to make, and they're booing, so I know it's part of the routine. And when I got to the mic, I said, I want to thank you for that greeting, because, <laughs> because you just proved you're ready to be an NHL market. That's very good. Uh, as we talk about Las Vegas, obviously, you, know, you, you said earlier there's a certain image that Vegas has, and maybe people thought it would be a certain way, and it, and it looks like it won't necessarily be the case, but when people think of Vegas plus sports, I mean, you think obviously of sports betting, and we're seeing a strong tide in America toward maybe a change in sports betting law. Uh, and among commissioners, you know, your, your peer, uh, the NBA commissioner Adam Silver, has most notably come out very strong in support, wrote a New York Times op-ed in 2014. Uh, what is your stance, I guess, personally, and then also the NHL's stance towards sports betting? I'm not sure my stance in the NHL's are much different. Uh, it's good to have consistency in your life. The, the fact of the matter is we are a very small part of the betting. Uh, maybe we're 1% of the book. The nature of our game is compared to football and basketball doesn't lend itself to the widespread betting that you get. We, we, my, my only focus is what will it do to the atmosphere in the arena? 
Okay, if you, is it, not that there's anything wrong with racetracks or high-life frontons, but is it that type of atmosphere or is it about the purity of the game and being there for the competition that, that team sports will give you? And uh, it hasn't been an issue for us. And in fact, the early returns are there hasn't been a whole lot more betting uh, on us and in particular on the Golden Knights because the people who are going to those games are fans. Do you support a change to sports betting law in America? I, I'm agnostic to it. I, it. I don't think it helps. I don't think it hurts. Uh, I do think laws should be complied with, so I'm hoping the Supreme Court uh, affirms PASPA in terms of the New Jersey litigation. Uh, if there's going to be a change, it should be done the right way. When we talk about the success that the Vegas team is already seeing, and we talk about how a town becomes a hockey town, I think last year of the Stanley Cup, we had the Nashville Predators in the Stanley Cup. I don't know if we have any Tennessee fans in the crowd. You, you have to <laughs> disclose your conflict, though, if we're having this That's conversation. That's right. My girlfriend's from Nashville. She's a big fan. Okay. So I'm, I've, I've become a, a Preds fan. And it's really interesting. Last year, because they were in the Stanley Cup, which had record ratings, the Stanley Cup did, on television, uh, I think the media kind of woke up to Nashville being a hockey town, and suddenly everyone started reporting, wow, Nashville is this big hockey town. Of course, it had been for years. But it, it is interesting. I think a lot of people who aren't necessarily huge hockey fans aren't aware of this. How do you turn a city that people don't think of as a, as a place where there'd be pro hockey into a hockey town? You know, I, I, that's a great question. We, we saw it, as we discussed in Las Vegas, after the tragedy. When, it, when a team becomes a part of the community, when the players are visible and doing the good works that so many of our players do in the community for charitable and social causes, when, when a team's performance feels uplifting, when a team, in effect, brings people together, which is what we think NHL hockey should be all about, people feel connected to their city, to their team. Uh, and Nashville has built great traditions over the last couple of decades. Nashville has great fans. Uh, the team has been embraced by the country music community. And yep. we, we had concerts outdoors on Broadway between 50 and 100,000 people showing up before games. The big question was who is going to sing the national anthem? Uh, and it was all good. And that was part of the bonding of Nashville taking the stage as a major sports city. I think the people in Nashville felt good about it. I heard, I met countless people who would come downtown during a Stanley Cup final game, even though they didn't have tickets. They just wanted to be a part of the event. Uh, and that's part of a, a city and a team bonding in all the right ways. And yes, they have built traditions over the years and the fan base grew and grew and grew. It was a little secret because people again, and it's what I said before, you know, when I say the teams with the best records right now are not your, quote, traditional, I don't even know what that means anymore, hockey markets, but hockey plays well wherever we have a team. Our theme today at the conference, our loose theme is globalization. Yes. Uh, you guys played a few preseason games this year in China. Yes, we which did. Which was... Very new, very interesting. Tell me about that, and also just how is the NHL expanding internationally? Well, two things. One, we may be, in terms of the composition of our playing group, uh, the most international of the North American sports leagues. 50%, little less now, of our players come from Canada, roughly 25% from the United States, and the rest from outside of North America, predominantly Northern Europe. Uh, hockeys are important in those countries in Europe. 
and world-class players come from places like Sweden and Russia and Finland and Czech. I'll leave out a country and somebody will be offended, but the point is uh, the best hockey players in the world come to play in the NHL, uh, and I think that sets us apart from a lot of other sports and, and particularly any other hockey leagues. Uh, we want to continue the encourage, to encourage the growth of hockey in those markets. We want to continue to encourage the development of world-class players. And we know that there are opportunities to go to some very big countries in the Far East, like China. And so we, we have been working with, talking to the government. I was there in March. Uh, they've committed. Uh, there is a government commitment to get 300 million more Chinese people to play winter sports, particularly in including hockey. And we've offered to work with the government, uh, with the governing bodies, to build an infrastructure to help develop the game of hockey. And so being playing a, an exhibition game in Shanghai and then in Beijing was all part of that. And for a first foray into that country, because this was the first time NHL teams had ever played there, it was a great, great success. Hockey in China. Hockey in China. Well, in the Winter Olympics, we'll be in Beijing in 2022. Yep. Uh, we're also hearing a lot today, obviously, about tax reform on some of these other panels. And thanks to tweets from President Trump, uh, stadium financing has come to the fore again. It's become a hot topic. And, you know, in the NFL especially, teams that want new stadiums often get uh, tax-free bonds. They get municipalities to help them out. You've got a situation in Calgary where the NHL team there really wants a new stadium, and there's some tension there. Uh, talk to me about how you feel about these new stadiums, the way that stadiums are financed, and any problems you see with this. Well, I, I believe, and there are academicians who, who agree with this and disagree with this in theory, but, but I disagree with them. Uh, having a professional sports team as your anchor tenant in a facility, if you do it the right way, can literally transform a city. Look at Chinatown in Washington, D.C. after the Verizon Center was built. Uh, look at LA Live built around Staples Center. Uh, look at what's happened in Edmonton where they've revitalized downtown. Look at what's going on in Detroit. All of these around new arenas where an entire area of a section of a city has been vitalized or revitalized, created a new tax base, brought businesses, pe residences, people downtown to live. Uh, and Calgary, the, the Flames were trying to do the same thing. Uh, and they have been uh, spectacularly unsuccessful in reaching an agreement with the city on how to move forward. And uh, they've announced that they're no longer pursuing a new building, which is unfortunate because they're playing in what I believe is the oldest building in the league. And at some point, their sustainability gets jeopardized if they don't have the same types of facilities, amenities, revenue-producing opportunities that other franchises have. Uh, when you're creating new taxes that wouldn't otherwise exist, but for the development of an arena and the surrounding area, I don't think it's unreasonable to devote some or all of those taxes to paying off what's been created and which otherwise wouldn't exist. Uh, I brought up President Trump. Uh, one thing that commissioners are all facing right now, leaders of sports leagues, is this issue of player protests. It started in the NFL. Uh, you guys, I believe, have already publicly said something about this. You took a stance and said basically that you want the league to be apolitical, ideally. But uh, at least in the case of football, they've had to get very specific with exactly what the rule is 
You know, it's like every time they come out and say something, the public demands more and they have to get very granular. What is the current NHL thinking on player protests and political well, demonstrations? Well, to suggest that we're, we want to be apolitical is a, is a little bit of an exaggeration. I think people come to sporting events to come together, to be unified as a community, to root, and to be distracted. Um, I don't think fans like to come for political rallies or political causes. There are other times to do that. Uh, our players have been focused on that. Uh, we didn't issue an edict or a rule. And I think virtually, almost without exception, our players have been focused on being a team, serving their communities, and trying to win their games. And so we haven't seen uh, much or any of that. And to the extent we have, our players have been active in the community working with local law enforcement, working with children's groups, tickets, appearances, doing the types of things that our players are typically doing in their communities to be a part of the community and to take the stands on social issues that they think are important. It's a lot to think about. Thanks, Gary. Thank you. I want everyone to give Gary a big round of applause. Thank you, Thank you again for listening to the Yahoo Finance Podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts.